podcast is a little different, so pray that I'll be good. Amen. Everyone say amen in Isaiah 7. This morning, I want to minister on don't just do something, stand there. Say, don't just do something, stand there. Don't just do something, stand there. Here's a trivia question before we read the word. Which took the longest to complete? A, construction of the Pentagon. B, carving of Mount Rushmore. C, digging of the Panama Canal. D, building of the Empire State Building. Or E, carving and assembling of the Statue of Liberty. Any guesses? C is right. Digging of the Panama Canal. My history friend, give Seth a hand. Wasn't that marvelous? Was that Seth? Yes. Listen to this. It took 31 years to dig the Panama Canal, mainly because the superhuman task was started, listen to me, I'm preaching, and stopped several times. The work of God, too, starts and stops several times in our life. Why? It says because of mudslides in the Panama Canal, unexpected cost. Sometimes the work of God is delayed momentarily for unexpected cost financially, an unexpected cost that we don't always want to give ourselves of our life. Come, come on, look at your neighbor and say, ouch, she's talking to you, not me. Unexpected cost. The total bill for the United States was $375 million in 1914, people. Come on, can you even imagine what that would look like today? Someone say, that's a bill. And a horrific death toll. Come on now, a horrific death toll. Twenty thousand French workers and six thousand Americans died on the job site somewhere in the middle of that somewhere in the end of that I'm gonna pray in a minute somewhere in the corner of that somebody said is this really supposed to happen with that much expense and that much cost and that much delay and that much detour and that much disappointment and that much weariness and that much blockage is there really supposed to be a Panama Canal but someone had a vision to span a gap of 50 mile longs between two oceans someone knew that there would be delays that there would be deaths that there would be barricades that there would be blockage to do such a great thing. Let me tell you, someone, Deborah Hickey, had the vision. And let me tell you that God has a vision that in spite of death, in spite of barricades, in spite of cost, in spite of delays, in spite of interruptions, come on somebody, in spite of whatever may come or go, his vision for the church and for the world continues because God is spanning a gap between heaven and hell and the canal is Calvary. Come on somebody and give God a shout of praise this morning. We may not be attempting to move lots of dirt, and that's just a little taste of Wednesday night's message. And it may look impossible in human terms, but it is not in God. Isaiah 7 and verse 1. Now hang with me and just listen to when I switch verses, because I want to read this, because I'll tell this in a moment. But I want you to know I'm getting it right here from the Word. Now it came to pass in the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, the king of Judah, that Rezin, king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Ramilah, king of Israel, went up to Jerusalem to make war against it. And it was told to the house of David, saying, Syria's forces are deployed in Ephraim. 
So Ahaz's heart and the heart of all the people were moved as the trees of the woods are moved with the wind. Now look up for a second, and I'm, I'm praying, but let me just, I don't want to miss this point because I might miss it later. Some of us think, well, how can trees be moved with the wind? Have you driven up 75 recently? Have you gone out there across from Cleveland Middle where the, where the wind tore trees out and threw them on the ground like they were a play ball for a dog? Have you seen what wind can do? It's saying the people were so afraid. It was like trees being moved by a great wind. Verse 3, Then the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out now to meet Ahaz, you and Shir Jashub, your son, at the end of the aqueduct from the upper pool on the highway to the fuller's field. And say to him, Ahaz, you take heed and you be quiet. Do not fear or be faint-hearted for these two stubs of smoking firebrands. Don't be fearful of these for the fierce anger of Rezin and Syria and the son of Ramallah. The reason it's so powerful when he says two stubs, I'm already preaching, I'll pray in a moment, I'm always preaching, two stubs of smoking firebrands, it means these two are just a glimpse of their former reputation. Let me tell you, sometimes the enemy comes in with something that took you out years ago and it is only a glimpse of his former reputation. What was possible in the day of my disobedience against me and mine is not possible in the day of my obedience. What was possible in one moment when I did not shut the door and I not get behind the blood and I did not respond the right way or I got out of gap or I got out of sick. Let me say it in the heavenlies as you said to do so, sir. Let me say what is possible in the day of a disobedience is not possible possible in the day of obedience when we get under the blood and we get under the covering oh I wish I had somebody that could praise him in this house this morning sometimes the enemy comes back to taunt you what he says is this is just a stub a firebrand stub it is a stump of a former reputation let's keep reading and number six it says because these two have said let's go up against Judah and trouble it but God says, don't fear what men fear. Don't believe. I'm, I'm, I'm going to quote a lot of words. It's going to come out of my head. I may not know where it all come from. I've been in three months in deep words. So if I don't get everything, that's just this journey God has had me on. This is the first time I have preached on a Sunday since October. I don't know when the last time that has happened, but it has happened that I'd get deep into my personal word. I've, I've handled Wednesday night. I've preached everywhere. But I mean, we've had other pastors, and it's all been good, and I've been thankful because God has given me a place to strengthen myself, to lock the gates, to fortify the walls, and do a circle around what belongs to me and tell the devil he shall not have it but the glory of the Lord shall be greater in the latter days than it was in the former so I'm going to say the Bible says and the psalmist said some plan behind closed doors shall not make me afraid yes there are principalities and powers this morning we better go ahead and pray or I'm not going to get to it Father in the name of Jesus just lift up your hands we thank you for the word this morning Holy Spirit we welcome you I ask you to speak what I do not even speak I ask you to say what I do not even say I trust you Holy Spirit as always I lean into you sir you are the powerful force in the earth so I welcome you I lean into you I invite you but it's your people that I care for so let their ears and their hearts be open in the name of Jesus and everyone said amen you see, there are conspiracies behind closed doors, verse 6, that are often planned against you in principalities and power. But the psalmist said, I will not fear what is conspiracy is going on behind closed doors. I won't fear rumors and mongerings against me. Or you talk about people, sometimes they can be people, but our main enemy is Satan and the principalities and powers. He said, I will not fear. And Isaiah said, do not say what is conspiracy, what man says in conspiracy. For the Lord your God is your defense so God said they are saying let us go against Judah and trouble it verse 6 and let us make a gap look at your neighbor and say mind the gap 
in England when you're traveling along and you're getting off and on the uh, subways, they always say, mind the gap, mind the gap, mind the gap. And on X-Men, they say, calm your mind. But anyway, mind the gap, mind the gap. What they're saying is you're getting, on a, you're getting on a train and there's a gap between you and the train. But what they're talking on here is let's make a gap in their wall. The wall is always your faith. Let's make a gap in their faith for ourselves and set a king over them. But the Lord says in verse 7, thus says the Lord God. Someone say, thus says the Lord God. It shall not stand nor shall it come to pass. You see, the word of the Lord says into the heavenlies right now, over any plan that you have shut your door against, it shall not stand. The plan of the enemy shall not come to pass. For the Lord is the one who gives us victory. Someone praise him and we'll keep reading. And then we'll get to where I'm getting it. Verse 10. Moreover, the Lord spoke again to Ahaz saying, ask a sign for yourself from the Lord your God. This is so powerful. I've shared this with so many preachers for three months. I've preached to so many preachers on the road, you wouldn't believe it, just in cars and everywhere, not subways. They haven't been to Europe. Ask a sign for yourself from the Lord your God. This is God giving Ahaz an opportunity to say, if you don't believe me, ask me for a sign in the depth or in the heaven above. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord, which was wrong. He had so wrong. Then Isaiah said, Hear now, O house of David. Is it a small thing for you to weary men and weary me? One translation says, But now you're going to weary God too. Verse 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a son. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Just keep your word open. Look to someone and say Emmanuel. Now that's a Christmas verse, but I'm going to explain to you how this, I mean, this is just all come to me last few months. We have preachers have known this for centuries. My great-granddaddy probably preached to 7,000 people out in Africa. But you know, here's the deal. I didn't get it till just now. Why wow, that scripture shows up right here. I want to point you to Isaiah 7 when it says, if you will not believe, surely you shall not be established. The message says, if you don't take your stand in faith, you won't have a leg to stand on. The New Living Translation says, you do not believe me. It's my favorite. If you want me to protect you, you better learn to believe what I say. There are seasons when God calls us to simply stand. We might prefer the adrenaline of chasing down a great cause. We might prefer something that we can run after or do. But occasionally, circumstances, circumstances will constrain us beyond our ability to steer a different course. Occasionally, we will be, if I may even say, chained to the will of God. We can't move back, and we can't move to the side, and we can't move forward. But we are to stand. Say, I am to stand. All we can do is to stand in that moment. And we've all heard of my mama, you, you, know, you always hear growing up, don't just stand there, do something. We say it to people all the time. You're carrying something, don't just stand there, do something. When I'm cleaning the house and all my family's laying around like a bunch of dogs on a Sunday afternoon, not really. I say, don't just stand there, do something. Um, but not really. Look at your neighbor and say, stand, stand. When circumstances come in our lives, seem to be careering out of control. And that temptation is to do something. But the word this morning is don't just do something. Stand. Psalm 16 and 8, the psalmist said, I have set you always before me. It's interesting that the angel said after 600 years of quiet time, 400 year intertestinal between Malachi and Matthew, that the angel of the Lord said, you don't believe me, Zechariah? I'm the one who stands before the presence of the Lord. When we take our stand, we take it before the Lord in faith. In Exodus 14, a place that we often think about, we hear the word stand is when the Israelites were being chased by Pharaoh 
and before them is the Red Sea, and God says to them, don't be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord your God and see what He, say He, will accomplish for you this day. For the Lord will fight for you and you will hold your peace. So there we are, and here we are in this story. If you can imagine this morning, if I could, I would have had Kristen hardly build a huge wall up here, but she may have taken out an assassination attempt on me, so I didn't ask that. But a huge wall up there, though she's always so willing, but it's just not a good time to be asking for these things with Queen for Day breathing down her neck. But imagine a huge wall up here. And here is Judah, and this is Jerusalem. And Judah is one of the tribes of Israel. The northern kingdom has already been taken a lot captive. They've already given their heart to other gods, but Judah is still standing. God always has a remnant. And Judah is standing, and here she is behind the walls of Jerusalem. And all of a sudden, Ahaz hears that King Rezin and Pekah, Pekah is his blood brother. Come on, somebody. You never expect your blood brother to turn against you. You never expect a sister or brother that claim the name of Christ to come against you, but it will happen. Look at your neighbor and say, I know that's right. And he hears that they're coming against them. He hears that they're coming. And, and um, Alex, come help me just a minute, if you will. Yeah, Higgins, come help me. Come on. I won't make you do anything hard. Give him a hand as he comes. Make him bold and courageous. And it's interesting that they hear that war is coming. And the Bible says, just stand right there, the Bible says that Ahaz is down in the aqueducts. Now, this is important. It's where he's standing that the Bible wants you to know is important. The aqueducts is where the underwater flowed into Israel. And what they would do is enemies would come outside the wall and try to block the water. Because if they could block the water, then they could kill those inside. It's interesting that God knows where Ahaz is. The king is sitting down or standing in what he perceives to be his resources. What he's doing is he's measuring his own strength and his own ability. He's measuring how he can stand against this great opposition. Isn't it amazing how we often measure ourselves? We measure ourselves to see how we might stand against something that's trying to take our joy. Come on, somebody. We measure ourselves against who we are according to what God has called us to do. We pull out the measuring tapes. We measure us. We measure our insecurities. We measure our limitations. We measure our limited resources. Am I the only one that's done this recently? We measure how many guys we got to work in the media crew to see if we're going to be able to pull this thing off or not. We measure how much money is in our checking account. We measure our resources. But the God of heaven is fixing to send Isaiah to Ahaz to say, stop measuring what you've got and start believing in what I've got. For I am the Lord, the God of Jehusha. I am he who rides on the wings of the wind. Somebody give him praise this morning. One of my favorite measuring verses is in Zechariah 2, where a man in a dream is walking with a measuring tape. And he's walking to measure. And the angel of the Lord shouts out and says, tell that man to measure Jerusalem. And so the man or says, ask that man what's he's, what he's doing. And this is just, it's like some of the dreams the Lord gives you and me. The Lord's giving this dream to encourage Zechariah. And the man is measuring Jerusalem. He said, I'm measuring the width. 
and I'm measuring the length of Jerusalem. What he's saying is I'm measuring how small we are. Oh God, we're so small. Look how small we are. We'll never be able to bring forth a Davidic king named the Messiah. We'll never be able to stand against our enemies. And he's measuring the length and the width for one reason. But then the angel cries out and says, tell that man with a measuring tape in his hand. Oh, that's a word for you and I this morning. Let me tell you, woman of God. Let me tell you, man of God, with a measuring tape in your hand. He says, tell him that Jerusalem borders are too small for what I, the Lord, want to do. Tell that man that I'm fixing to enlarge Jerusalem and the people will be so full. They'll be around the walls. Oh, I wish I had somebody that would praise him this morning. The people will be so numerous. They will be without number. That's the measuring tape God wants you to have. The other night in the middle of the night, I'm going to get to you, son. I'm sorry. I get people up here and then just, I'm getting to you. The other night in the middle of the night, not having touched the scriptures, how it came to me in a dream, in the middle of a dream of things I didn't understand, a voice cried out to me and said, I will be a wall of fire around you. And I will be the glory in the midst of you. For he who touches you touches the apple of my eye. I jolted up out of bed. The dream was unrelated to the voice, but the voice was unexplainable. And I thank God for speaking to me in my dreams because I'm just too busy and sometimes I'm too self-absorbed and sometimes I'm too much of fear anybody else and sometimes the world is too vast around me that God has to speak as the Bible says in the book of Job in the middle of a dream so you can't count out what God is trying to say to you. Someone wave a hand and let the angels take a snapshot. I got up out of bed and I immediately went to the strongs because I couldn't remember where that was or were those three things. What I had to know, Mish, you know us students, we have to know, were all those three things in the same passage? That would be a sign. So I went to my concordance and I got out and I found fire and I saw Zachariah. I went there and one after one, all three of these things were found in the book of Zechariah. That I will be a wall of fire around you. That I will be the glory in the midst of you. For he who touches you touches my most precious position. I want to tell you this morning, that word encourages me and that word encourages you. That in Zechariah 2, God is saying the reason that I'm going to expand your borders, the reason you got to stop measuring your limitations, your weaknesses, your past, the reason you got to stop. I mean, we measure the things the devil tells to us. We measure the doubts and the fears, he says to us. Deborah, we measure the worries, he says to us, and how big they are. He says, I'm telling you the reason I'm going to bust you out and bust ministries out and bust my kingdom out is because I, the Lord, am a wall of fire around you. I am the glory in the midst of you, and I say, take heart and be strong says the Lord in the book of Haggai for I am in the midst of you somebody give God a shout of praise so God says to Isaiah don't just go see Ahaz but take your son with you your son sheer to sheer take him with you now look at this Isaiah brings his son with him this is beautiful and powerful this is a portrait my God is he puts this, he's painting a picture because sheer Jashub means a remnant will return. So when he walks up to Ahaz with his son's hand in his, his hand, a young son, it's a visual to King Ahaz. Don't you lean into yourself. Don't you lean into your ways. 
I'm bringing the son that God named to say to you, just stand right here, son, to say a remnant will return. Why is this so powerful? Because the reason Pekah and the reason Rezin are against Jerusalem is they want to remove the Davidic kingship. Why? Because from the tribe of Judah comes the one called Messiah. From the tribe of Judah comes Christ. You know why the enemy wants to remove you? You're not really all of that, but it's the Christ in you. You know why the enemy fights everything you do? You know why he fights your fruit? Why he compels you and comes against the walls of your faith with slanderous allegations and accusations and things to get you to move off your place? It is the Christ in you. We recently studied on Wednesday night when Joseph said to his brothers, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Meshach, he had taken revenge as he could have at the right hand of Pharaoh and killed his brother. He would have killed the 12 tribes of Israel and he would have killed the tribe of Judah that Jesus was in the loin. Let me tell you something. The enemy only needs one person that's bitter to spread his allegations, his lies, and his distortions. But God only needs one forgiving, loving, kind person to spread the good news of Christ. Somebody give God a shout of praise. So he has Shir Jashub, and that's why they're trying to fear, make Ahaz fear. He's afraid. Ahaz is shaking within himself. But he's got his son saying, God's got this. A remnant is going to survive. You're contemplating going to the world for help. You're contemplating, and Ahaz had and did, he went to Assyria. You're contemplating looking to other people. But let me tell you, God's got this. God's got this. He's got the Davidic line. He's got his Messiah. He's got the future. He's got everything in his hands. God's got this. Look at your neighbor and say, God's got this. God's got this. And he says all this to Ahaz. Go ahead, give him a hand. So I want to stand up here the whole time. He says, he says to Ahaz, listen. God's going to take care of this. God's got this. Let me get through. But he says, if you don't trust God, you're not going to be established. Trust, I heard one time, is like a staff that you lean on. And you can lean on it as hard as you want. When you trust God, you don't always understand, but you trust. Trust is a staff that you can lean on like going up a high hill. And you can bear as much weight as you need on that staff as you're going up that hill. I don't know about you, but sometimes I've been completely bent over. Anybody else, any other saint in the house leaning on that trust in that moment? But he says, come on. Yes, they're taking evil counsel, but it shall not stand. But Ahaz has a high need for control. And he's out there like most of us thinking, what can I do? I've got to do something. So God does something amazing. And God says, okay, Ahaz, through Isaiah, I can see that you're not believing me. Ask me for a sign. The New Living Translation says, and make it as difficult as you want. The New King James says, ask it in the highest heavens or in the depth of the earth. I mean, what, what do you ask for? You, you see what God is asking? No other place in Scripture has God said that to anyone. You see, God knows your weaknesses. God knows when your faith needs a boost. God knows when He needs to give you something. We aren't to ask God for signs. I'll show you that in a moment. But when God wants to give you a sign, receive it in the name of the Lord. When He gives you a dream, when you feel like you're at the end of your rope and you can't go on, am I the only one that's ever been there in 27 years of ministry and you can't push on? God will give you a sign. But He asked Ahaz, ask me for a sign. Make it as difficult as you want. 
You want Jupiter and Pluto to switch places. You want the sun and the moon to switch and do a little dance with me, oh creator dance. What do you want? Do you want the earth to open up in an earthquake like happened with Korah? Do you want that? Ask me, make it as difficult as you want. But watch this, because I'm gonna switch in just a moment to the man who got this right, his son. But Ahaz says, oh no, no, no. I would not test the Lord, my God. This is Isaiah. This is the word of the Lord speaking to him. Listen to what he said. He quotes scripture. Come on, sometimes we misuse scripture. He quotes Deuteronomy 6 and 16. No, I will not tempt the Lord God. I will not tempt him. He's quoting when Israelites tempted him in Massah. And when they said, God, give us a sign of your continuous provision. Give us water. And they got Moses mad. Moses got mad. And a quarrel came up. And everybody got in a fight. So Moses went and, and hit the rock. And everything came up. And all of a sudden, God said, I'm not pleased. Because you should never ask me for a sign that I am God. You should never ask me. I may ask you if you want a sign. But let me tell you, but until I give you a sign, you are to walk by faith and not by sight. You are to walk by the word and not by your feelings. You are to walk by what I have said and the promise I have given you and hold on to me in the process. Somebody give God a hand clap of praise. And he says, you aren't satisfied to exhaust my patience and now you're exhausting the patience of God as well. He said, okay, you know what? I'll give you a sign. See, this wasn't the sign he was going to give him. But what he saw is this man is not going to stand in his faith. Listen to me. When I see this man, Everett, I see sometimes the seasons of our life. Kenan, I see the times that we don't stand in faith. The times that we don't get our feet rock solid in the promise that came until the process brings a fulfillment. And that's what happens with Ahaz. And the Lord said, okay, I'll tell you. I've got this. I've got this Davidic line taken care of. In fact, I'm going to put a seed in a virgin, and she is going to give birth to a child, and his name is Emmanuel. What God was saying, that's a Christmas verse, and it's beautiful, and it's awesome. God is with us. It's powerful to each one of us. Look at your neighbor and say, God is with you. It's a powerful promise. But what he was saying was, God is with us. I've got this. I've got the future. I've got it 100 years from now. I already know how I'm going to secure my work and my glory. Let me tell you something. Since about oh, October, I've been praying. Wednesday night crowd knows this. Wednesday night knows everything. They know the hairs upon my head. But they're my peeps, my posse. They're my private little group. No, I'm kidding. But the, I'm telling them that I've had my foot on the Samson God. God, keep your foot on the break of the enemy. Keep breaking his plans. Put your other foot, because I'm visual, on the accelerator of your glory and press down on the accelerator and restore because Paul said I'm going to be restored to you but if you pray it's going to happen sooner sometimes we need to pray that the restorations that God has already promised will happen sooner because Paul wouldn't have said it and it wouldn't have gotten in the word unless it's true that means the restoration of finances the restoration of prodigals the restoration of glory it means if my people will seek my face and humble themselves. I will restore. Somebody give God a shout of praise. Matthew, come and start helping me. I've, I've still got a little bit of ways to go, but the music will help them to think it's closer than they think. I'm a master manipulator and magician. He said, I've got this. 
But Ahaz, this is your moment. Well, Ahaz doesn't take the moment. He doesn't stand in his faith. I'm fixing to switch this to one of the most powerful portraits in his son's life when his son got it. And I want to say this to you. God always gives a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance and a fifth chance. I think many of the kings, Micah, in the Old Testament are symbolic of when one didn't get it right, the next one did. I don't always see them as people. I see them as Rhonda Davis in this year. But Rhonda Davis, when she got a second chance. And then the next year when Rhonda Davis claimed her authority. You see, so what happens is Ahaz didn't, didn't get it. The powerful and ominous truth of the fact is Ahaz sacrificed his children in the fire. That means to the God of Molech, that was their abortion. They threw their children in the fire and they burn up before. It was a sacrifice to a God made out of wood. And this passage, I want to tell you, you won't turn there because it's found in three different places where I'm going right now. If you want to make notes, 2 Chronicles 32, 2 Kings 18, Isaiah 37. This passage, this story, this son of Ahaz who stands firm in his faith and gets the promise is found in those three places. All three tell it. Ahaz sacrificed his children to fire. One author, one incredible creative author, Calvin, wrote a novel based upon this. And in that, or just she portrayed a moment when Isaiah penned those powerful words of Isaiah 43. Do not fear when you pass through the waters. I will be with you. And through the rivers they shall overflow you. And this author, Craig, had Ahaz carrying little Hezekiah down to the fire to offer his life. And in the novel, Isaiah the prophet comes strongly up the mountain of God. And he, he passes Hezekiah being carried toward the fire. Just one author's creative interpretation of how this could have gone down. And authors believed all the kids were sacrificed but Hezekiah. And Hezekiah's eyes full of fear, knowing his daddy is sacrificing him to this foreign God. But this author has Isaiah passing him and saying, Fear not, Hezekiah. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burnt. Neither will the flames kindle upon you. Let me tell you whether or not it happened like that, we don't know, but we do know Hezekiah survived. And one thing I do know, Hezekiah stands still in his faith. And let me tell you something, sometimes those who have gone through fire don't understand that God is building their resistance for the next battle. You want to know when battles stop, they will never stop. You want to know when you get stop getting fought against your faith, it will never stop. From Genesis to Revelation till Christ claims his kingdom, Kingdom, it will continue but let me tell you the plan of the Most High God is for your faith to go strong and your resistance to grow strong like resistance to germs resistance to diseases that we often form the older we get I don't know about you but I'm not gonna let my pain be wasted if I walk through the fire and you got to watch I'm not gonna let that be wasted I want to be like Hezekiah and stand firm in my faith. Come on, somebody, give him praise. Interesting enough, almost the same scenario happens again. The walls are up here. See the walls. And Hezekiah has been working hard. This man who comes from a different spirit. He was the son of Abijani, which is the daughter of the priest Zechariah, which I believe somewhere that granddaddy got a hold of that grandson. Said, don't listen to the heathen words of the world around you. I'm going to tell you, never underestimate your influence upon a child. 
because many scholars believe it was the granddaddy that got along with Hezekiah when his own daddy wouldn't teach him and his granddaddy began to pour the word of God into him and Hezekiah's king begins to rebuild he begins to burn the idols in fire that his dad worshipped he begins to rebuild the city he even calls Passover which starts this Saturday in case you're wondering he begins to call everyone into Jerusalem for Passover he sends out letters and he says I serve the only living God come let's worship him what he was saying and what the Lord is saying to you and I it is never too late to turn things around it is never too late to make a stand and they come in and he begins to rebuild the wall watch what happens he hears that Sennacherib the leader of Assyria and his assistant Rabshakeh have declared war and they're marching toward the city he hears that they're coming to siege the city and they're gathered around they're gathered around you know and here's the thing Hezekiah is just getting Israel's mojo back come on somebody Hezekiah is just getting Israel's groove back you ever had a season like that when you felt like I just got my groove back and it's not this season right now <laughs> come on come on let's be honest I got my groove back. I got, I mean, seasons we've seen this in our church. Oh, this is it. This is it. We got our groove back. We got our mojo back. And then all of a sudden we hear the enemy is approaching. Well, I don't mean the enemy's literally approaching, but things start going wrong in our lives. Finances of people start hurting. It happens in a nation. It happens in families. And he'd gotten his mojo back, his groove back, and he could have said, God, I've done all of this to rebuild. God, I've done all of this. I'm still in your faith. God, why are you letting this happen? Why am I having to fight this again? I heard uh, Robert Morris preach one of the greatest sermons on Jezebel's spirit, honestly, that I have ever heard this week on Daystar. Truths that I have never heard. And he said to a bunch of pastors, I don't care if you fought the Jezebel years ago, you better get up and take your authority again. And you better say to the Jezebel spirit that Christ is the head of the church. He said, I don't care if you fought it seven different times. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, I don't care how many times you fought that thing. It's time to take your authority again. Come on, tell him it's time to take your authority again. And Hezekiah sends out an address to the people. And he says, don't be discouraged. He said, don't be afraid. For his is a mighty army. He further strengthened the walls, which you've got to do when you get into a place where you know you're being hit in your faith. Do things in your finance, things in your relationships, or whatever that, whatever that translates for you. He strengthened the wall further. He strengthened and he fortified the second wall. But then he told the people, don't be afraid of his mighty army. For there is a power far greater on our side. Someone wave a hand, let the angels take a snapshot. There's an army great powerful on our side. He may have a great army, but they are just men. But we have the Lord our God to help us. And he will fight for us. And the word says that the people, say the people were greatly encouraged by these words. So this is how it goes down. They're coming, they've sieged the whole city. The same word comes to Hezekiah, stand firm in your faith. Stand in what you believe. Hezekiah gets the, the, goes into a back room and he sends Elikim and some of the other officials and they stand on the wall. And here they are on the wall and Sennacherib and Rabshakeh and all the officials are gathered around and Sennacherib begins to throw out these insults. God has given you a picture of your adversary. His name is Satan, Lucifer, the dark Lord, the Lord of the flies. 
He may be represented in all different ways, but Sennacherib represents him. And he's yelling out insults. And he's hurling them. And Eliakim, which is a great man, says, I ask of you, speak to us. Speak to us in a different dialect, though our people will not hear. He says, we understand Aramaic. Speak to us. We understand it. Don't speak in Hebrew. He said, the people are on the wall and they will hear it. But this is just like the devil. It's like sometimes when I'm praying for baby Christians, God, don't let the enemy get his words to the baby Christians, God. Protect the people in rehab, God. Protect them. Protect those that are weak in their faith right now. Protect them, God. But in this verse, we see Eliakim begged him to speak in Aramaic, but he said, no, I will hurl my threats so that every man in Israel, and he says, what God do you think is going to save you? What is it that you are trusting in? Listen to this. This is so powerful. What is it that you are trusting in that makes you so confident? Look at your neighbor and say, what is it you are trusting in that makes you so confident? He said, what is it you're trusting in? Do you think, listen to this, do you think mere words will save you against military strength? Look how the devil overplays his hands. The devil says, you think your confession will save you when I've got an arsenal of principalities against you? Do you think your praise will save you when I've got brigades all around you? Do you think your words of faith and your heart of faith will bring you victory when I am loading up weapons you cannot conceive? But this is what I say with the psalmist. Though war break out against me, of this I shall be confident. Though an enemy encamp around me, of this thing I know. Many are they that rise up against me, and many are they that say of my soul, there is no help for her in God. But thou, O Lord, are a shield about me. You are the glory, and you are the lifter of my head. Oh, you want to see, devil, what my words can do? You want me to see what my confession can bring forth? Give me a moment, step back while I lift the two-edged sword of praise into the heavenlies. Step back while I open my mouth and speak the word of God. War will break out in the heavenlies. The Lord has given the earth to man, but the heavens is his. I don't fly into the heavens to come against principalities, but I pray to the name of Jesus and I let him send his angels to make war in the heavenlies. But the confession stops on earth. Listen to me by the Spirit of the Lord. Someone in this room, the devil is trying to keep you from your confession. What do you mean by confession? Like, I, this is my car, this is my house. No, the confession of Jesus Christ is your Savior. You are seated far above all principalities and powers and rulers in Christ Jesus, that you have authority, that in Christ you are seated, that you are the healed, the blessed. Anything the Word says is your confession. Say the Word. Say the Word is my confession. The reason He doesn't want you saying that is because He doesn't want those words, and that's why he said, Eliakim said, who are you trusting in? And he goes on to say this. He lists, sorry. He lists the gods of the other nations. That he is destroyed. Because that's what the devil always does. Look who I destroyed with that divorce. Look who I destroyed with that disease. Look who I destroyed with that trouble. 
Look who I destroyed with that pornography. Look who I destroyed. You're going to stand on your faith. You're going to stand. Look who I destroyed. And so Sennacherib said in Rabshakeh, What God of any other nation has saved its people from my power? the God of Hamath, of Arpad. He mentions the gods of that day. Seraphim, Himaiva. Did any of those rescue them? No. What God of any nation? Just name one. What makes you think that you can rescue Jerusalem? And then he takes the battle one step higher. He says, your God is the one that told me to invade you. Listen to me. Listen to me. John Bevere said something so powerful. The best sermon I've ever heard in the middle of our relentless on who's behind the trouble. Best ever I've heard anyone ever speak, including myself and everyone I love. And there was one line there. He says, if you don't know who's causing your trouble, you won't fight it. If you think somehow God has authored that season in your life, if you think God is behind you losing everything so you can be more pure, if you think God is behind that, if you think somehow you deserve it, come on somebody. If you think you were born that way, I'm helping a, an evangelist daughter in Texas right now on her way to another land this morning flying. I'm helping her to understand that she was not born that way. As long as you know, as long as you know who's behind the trouble, you'll fight it. But if you think somehow God made you, God authored the trouble, you won't fight it. So then he says, God told us to come in here. Yeah, God is wanting you, Rhonda Davis, to just make a miserable mess out of your life. God is wanting you, Rhonda Davis, to be a sign to all people of how not to do it rightly. No, the enemy, say the enemy, is behind the trouble. So Sennacherib, raise your hand to the Lord and say, we welcome you, Holy Spirit. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. So look, this is how everyone responds. Isaiah 49 says, to the response of what Sennacherib says and what it says to your life, are those things that look impossible those things that look irretrievable, those things that look like they have been imprisoned away from you, whether that's people, finances, blessings, His glory. I love this. Isaiah says in 49, who can snatch the plunder of war from the hands of a warrior? Who can do that? You ever watched a really incredible warrior in a movie and known that there was people in that day and age that were like that? Mighty men who can take the plunder out of a man of war, God is saying. He's wanting you to say, no one, say no one. Say no one. Who can demand that a tyrant let his captives go? We should get this right, because we a little man leaning on his staff yelled enough at a tyrant that he let one million go. But who can demand that a tyrant let his captives go? Who can say to someone that's holding up finances for the elect, let that finances go? Who can say to someone that's holding up a job for you, open the door for that job? Who can say, let the captives go? But it says, but the Lord says. Someone say, but the Lord says. I'm almost done. Come on, hang with me. Say, but the Lord says. Come on, God is lifting your faith. The captives of warriors will be released. 
and the plunder of tyrants will be retrieved. Meaning this is who's going to do it now. He's getting, he's getting ticked about it. Don't you love it when God gets ticked? For I will fight those who fight you and I will save your children, says the Lord. I will reach into the tyrant that are holding on to what belongs to you and I will yank it out of their hand. I will come against the mightiest warrior who thinks they're going to destroy you and I will remove from that warrior's hand the very tool of war for I will fight for you somebody give God a shout of praise but I love this and we'll be done building your faith say I gotta stand firm watch the difference between Ahaz and Hezekiah watch the difference between you a few years ago and you now or you a few days ago and you now come on see the picture God's painted Hezekiah went in and he tore his clothes I'm going to go to him in a moment because I want to show you what he did. But this is what the leader sent word to Isaiah. This is powerful. This is a day of trouble and insult and disgrace against us. Enemies are encamped around us. It's like when a child is ready to be born, but the mother has no strength to deliver it. Listen to me right now by the Spirit of the Lord. Watch and listen. I feel by the Spirit of the Lord there are many things trying to be birthed in us. As a church, there's a new work that we can't quite put our, we can't describe, we can't really see in your life. But it says it's like when a child is ready to be born, but the mother, the very unit that's supposed to deliver it is without strength. Or in your life, God's trying to birth something through you he's never done before. But it's like you have no strength to deliver it. Said Isaiah, that's what Hezekiah said to tell you. Isaiah pray please perhaps it may be the Lord God will hear them defying us and he will come in so Hezekiah unlock Ahaz does not measure his resources even though Hezekiah built his own tunnel to protect the people he did mighty things but see you can't do mighty things until you do this Hezekiah tore his clothes as well rips in his garment and he wouldn't put himself behind the door He's separating himself for a moment. Isolation is of the devil, but separation is of God. Isolation wants to remove you from the people who you can strengthen and who can strengthen you. But separation is just moments that you come away. Pastor Hank said, if you could do anything you wanted to do, Rhonda, what would it? I'd say, I would just read and study the Bible all day. I was just being honest. And he said, but you'd never help anybody, baby. He said, that's great, but you got to add a little bit more to it. I've understood that as I've gotten older, but there's moments of separation. And he comes away and he says, Oh Lord God, you who created the heavens and the earth. Oh God, who dwells between the cherubim. Holy is your name. God, do you hear the insults against you? Did you notice? He didn't say, did you hear what they're saying against me, Hezekiah? He didn't say that. We aren't saying to God, you hear how they're insulting Rhonda Davis because they're not insulting Rhonda Davis. The devil is after one thing and that is God. The devil is after one thing. If he can take you hostage, he takes God's heart hostage. And we need to stop saying that the devil's fighting me and she's fighting me. No, the devil is fighting God's reproduction value in your life and what you can bring. Some of you just need to lift your words and bat the birds, of black birds off that are trying to eat the eggs of your future. 
with your words. And he says, oh Lord God, hear, hear our prayer and God take notice. And while he's there with his clothes ripped, see, he's saying it's not in me. It's not in me. It's okay to say it's not in me. It's not in me. God, it's got to be in you. God, it's got to be your hands and your glory and your power. And God, you've got to do it. And this is the word of the Lord that comes through the prophet Isaiah. Do not be afraid of the words you have heard with which Assyrian leaders have blasphemed me. I'm going to send a rumor and they're going to go back down the road they came. Come on, somebody. And this is what God says to your enemy. Say, this is what God. Come on, give me two more minutes. Say, this is what God. Come on, say, this is what God says to the enemy. He says, oh, you Sennacherib, who have you reproached? Who have you blasphemed against who? I am the Lord. Have you raised your voice? And lifted your voice on high. You've not done it against Hezekiah or my people, but you have done it, he says, against the Holy One of Israel. That song holy that we sang, I'm not done. That's who your enemy is after. It's Veronica. It's after God's holiness in you. And he goes on to say, oh, you've bragged that you conquered Artham and you conquered this one and you conquered that one. Let me tell you something. If you use trees in battle, I made the trees. If you drank from water going to battle, I'm he who separated the water from the firmament in the beginning. Whatever you use, it was I, the Lord, who created all things. And you're messing with me. Somebody give him praise. Hallelujah. Come on, stand all over this place and I'll finish it on your feet. I love this part. It's a Jack Bauer moment if ever there was one. But I know your dwelling place, says the Lord. I know you're coming in and you're going out. Let me tell you something. God knows your enemy's coming in and is going out. God knows every plan and the rage against him, he said, have come to my ears. He said, I will put a hook in your nose, enemy, and I will put a bridle in your mouth. I love it. One of my favorite things to pray to God. I've prayed a lot in my life. God put a hook in my enemy's nose and a bridle in his mouth. And he says, I will lead you back the path you came from and send you back to your home. Let me tell you something. God did just that. He says, Hezekiah, don't be afraid for the plans against you shall not prevail. Don't be afraid, sons and daughters of the most high God. If you shut the door in the days, Micah, of your obedience, what was possible on another day shall not be possible for the Lord shall fight for you. And the Bible says in one night, everyone say one night. Everyone prayed. Everyone stood firm in their faith. Hezekiah said, don't answer the enemy. And the people were obedient. Just think of one. Thousands of people were leaning over the wall. Watch all those old movies. You will see it. They're all leaning over the wall, hearing the threats. They said, you're going to eat your own dung. The devil knows how to hit you. 
You're going to drink your own urine. That's what he said. I'm going to lock you up and make you so lost, so without anything. You resort to low living beyond anything you've ever seen in your past. The Bible says Hezekiah told the people, do not respond to Sennacherib. Don't say a word. So as Sennacherib is throwing his assaults up, God is speaking back to him and saying, I'm going to take care of this so everyone goes to bed at night. Hezekiah, if I imagine him to be who he was, he probably wrapped himself in that garment and all night long as David said I lay on my bed with my hand cast towards you Lord my tears are my meat and my drink but I still trust you I'm sure Hezekiah slept and woke up slept and woke up because his granddaddy had told him that the real God of Israel took the gods of his daddy and burned them in the fire and that his God was the true God and I know he cried out and sometime say sometime Matthew sometime in the middle of that night the Bible said one angel <laughs> one angel went among the troops of the Assyrians he merely walked among them and he killed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers so when Sennacherib got up the next morning they heard a rumor and they went back home the psalmist said not one of your mightiest angels compares in strength to you O Lord that was just one angel who killed 188,000 but my God is mightier. Somebody praise Him. Somebody praise Him. So listen, and we're going to pray over you. Stand. Now, I, I put this on Facebook yesterday. People are just still commenting on it, but it's a good thing from Bobby Sor Bob Sorg. Stand, having done all to stand. Stand in your faith despite the warfare. To stand despite the resistance. To stand despite the hassles. To stand despite the weariness. To stand despite the distresses. To stand despite the temptation. To stand despite personal failure and collapse. To stand despite the grief. To stand despite the loneliness. To stand even when chained just to stand. To stand why? To stand because of the cross. To stand because of the Lamb. To stand because of His affections. To stand because of His acceptance. To stand because of His mighty power within. To stand because of His eternal purposes. To stand because of His everlasting mercies. Finally and forthrightly to stand because of love just to stand give him praise I'm done this morning come on come on come on come on listen I'm going to pray over you three ways you can react in emergency you can panic and as a result do the wrong thing you can be paralyzed and as a result do no thing or you can pray and as a result you do the right thing. He wouldn't have told us to pray about everything unless everything could be changed by prayer. Be anxious for nothing but everything in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your Christ be made to known God. The peace of God surpass all understanding. Regard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. Pray in all things. 
Lift your hands to the heavens right where you stand. We're going to pray with each other, but right here in this moment. Lord Jesus, we lift our hands to stand.